Pango! Pango! Down, boy. Be good. Leave Mason alone. Good boy. I'll start with an email from listener Jackie Findus. Mike, I wanted to ask you about flight delay compensation schemes. Then I thought of a different question. What do you think of magicians? Don't worry if you can't answer. I probably won't send this. Well, obviously, you did send it, Jackie. And you've touched a nerve. Mason! Mason, leave it! Pengo, drop it. Drop it. Good boy. I can't stand magicians. If you did have magic powers, the last thing you'd do is go around flaunting your mutation. My issue with magicians stems from my experience with one man, the self-styled sleight-of-cash artist and financial conjurer Baz Bigley. These are dark memories. He left me penniless. But who's the loser now? Last I heard of him, he was playing to tiny nightclub audiences, but my podcast is available on the internet. Admittedly, the economics of podcasting mean that I'm currently walking seven dogs at three quid a pop. Admiral! That's a person! It's a person! Back at home, I made the mistake of googling angry, despite knowing what it meant. Then I googled Baz Bigley. Familiar headlines from 2007 appeared before me. Bigley acquitted. Magician walks free. And worse still, travel chump prowls diddled by Telly Wizard. He'd done well for himself, and was about to sign off a new luxury flats development, Bigley Heights. Then, a sponsored link caught my eye. For Baz Bigley's residential magic training courses. So, he had resurfaced. I wanted revenge, and it was time to go undercover. Mike Prowse, the holiday man who does things on his own. Okay, I've checked into Bigley's Weekend of Magical Wonder in a Best Western off the M62 near Nosley. During the introductory talk, he promised to teach us tricks for every occasion requiring just a few everyday large-scale theatrical props and a false floor. He then sawed a card in half and left the stage. The only other attendees were Tina and Sally, a friendly couple who had retired to Devon to bake, enjoy the sea air and decorate quad bikes. They knew even less about magic than me. Tina was convinced that Paul Daniel's assistant was Deli Alley and Sally believed his famous catchphrase was to like this or not to like this, not a lot. I've taken a break from the first day to grab a sandwich and re-glue my false moustache. The course started slowly with a detailed PowerPoint about rabbit biology and a laborious scroll through its entire DNA sequence. Bigley told us, You'll never be able to pull one from a hat if you don't completely understand what one is. Then he unveiled his most famous prop, Astonishing Charles, 
Mechanical men, or automata, have a long history in magic. Strange, lifelike machines which are used to read minds or produce chosen cards. He told us Astonishing Charles, the metallic top half of a Victorian gent with the mouth of a ventriloquist's dummy and faintly glowing eyes, was about to do a trick. Pausing to tell us that his soon-to-be-opened Bigley Heights development featured taps bearing Ali Bongo's face, he asked the three of us to hand over a £10 note each. We did. He then left the stage and reappeared two hours later, drunk. When we asked about our £10, he said astonishing Charles had been very naughty, laughed and fell over. The best card trick ever was executed in Ohio in 1942 by 12-year-old Pete Parsley. Just before an English class, he turned to the boy next to him, fanned a deck of cards and asked him to take one, sign it and return it to the deck. But the reveal was interrupted by the arrival of a teacher. 27 years later, the boy who chose and signed that card took a small step for man onto the surface of the moon. I'm gonna step off the limb now. It was Neil Armstrong. And almost immediately, something caught his eye wedged beneath one foot of the landing module. It was his signed card from nearly three decades earlier. It's rumoured that NASA redacted the audio of Armstrong's discovery. On a piece of crackly tape which was available for seven minutes on WikiLeaks, Armstrong can be heard saying, But it was my card. It's the damnedest thing. How did he... Buzz. Look, it's right here. Heck, that was my card. Aged 49, Pete Parsley was questioned by the CIA, but refused to explain how he'd done it. It was his first and only card trick. OK, I've just got a moment. Now, there comes a point in every investigation when you have to get close to your subject and my secret recording equipment, a large VHS cassette camera from 1992 hidden in a Gladstone bag, presents a big challenge. But earlier today, I snuck into Bigley's room while he was doing his aerobics and managed to secrete it inside a cabinet. Now, having trailed a 300-metre AV cable past Astonishing Charles and back to my own room, I can see everything happening inside that closed cabinet. I didn't think it through. And I'm not sure how I'm going to get the video cassette back either. As I listen to the audio, I'm fielding some angry emails about my dog walking side hustle, which I've had to put on hold for now. But the owners of Pengo, Mason, Lenny, Scott, Samara, Missy, and Lord Halifax will have to wait. This is too important. But what did Bigley actually do to me? To save time, here's my impartial account of his filthy scam, recorded for this podcast in 2007. So, some good news for Northern Rock there. That's my roundup of the papers. The sponsor of this week's Welcome to the Prowls of Fun is Baz Bigley's Financial Magic. It's clear that a celebrity card shop is the sensible choice to look after your pension. If he can produce a coin from your ear, 
imagine what he can do with your tax returns. And remember, there's never been a better time to get a very large mortgage. TV's Ali G agrees. Why not take shelter under his financial umbrella, Ella, Ella, Ella? But I'm remaining upbeat. I went to see Baz to find out where we were up to, and either the office block location he gave me was incorrect, or he actually does work from a skip near Chester Zoo. I tried the phone number he left me, but probably wrote it down wrong. It had 23 digits. I think it would be fair to cautiously remind subscribers that I did not directly tell you to invest in Baz Bigley's financial magic, and my rock-solid prowse guarantee of a no-questions-asked definite winner you should absolutely go for bears no weight in UK law. Still hopeful, there's been some kind of misunderstanding which will no doubt be ironed out in the... Well, nine months on, and it seems the sightings of Bigley in the Algarve buying a cash-in-hand helicopter have been confirmed. And my £35,000 redundancy package is nowhere to be seen. There's a very comforting phrase, you live and learn, but then you have to live with what you've learned. And I've learned that I've just lost £35,000. Back in the hotel, the video camera yielded nothing. I thought perhaps the audio would work from inside the cabinet or some stroke of luck would give me something to go on, but no. The camera was just old, and I'd never been able to afford a new one. And listening to those early podcasts just now, it occurred to me that it was time to go home. Because it was all a bit of a waste of time. The reason people like me lose money to people like Baz Bigley is probably the same reason I spend years making a podcast but walk other people's dogs to actually make any money. It's the vain hope that somewhere along the line you might catch a break. Apologies for the slightly curtailed episode. This is Mike Prowse, signing off. And having recorded that link... Something happened. I realised I still had to get the camera out of Bigley's room. My only option was to gather up my AV cable and creep in at 11.20pm when my monitoring of Bigley's movements suggested he would again stagger to the bar for a banana daiquiri. I closed the door behind me. Winding up the cable, I crept past the gaunt, metallic face of Astonishing Charles. Pulling open the middle drawer of his cabinet, I retrieved the camera, and there was a noise behind me. The door began to open, and I was face to face with Tina and Sally. Dressed in black combat gear, balaclavas and infrared goggles, the athletic 68-year-olds burst into action. Tina, back against the wardrobe, offered Sally a boost upwards, and from the corner of the ceiling, she retrieved their tiny, wireless, high-definition camera. 
Landing softly, she executed a commando roll across the floor. Tina took up a strafing point at the side of the door and raised a clenched fist, giving the all clear. Then they sprinted away down the corridor. I picked up my enormous VHS camera and staggered out after them. Tina and Sally explained that they too had been victims of Bigley. His scam had crushed their retirement dreams of a large-scale quad bike business, but they hadn't given up. Back at my room, we watched their video. I prefer not to elaborate on its content, so here's a transcript of what Sally and Tina said as they watched. Sally. So, 1900 hours, no movement from Bigley. Fast forward. Tina. Hang on, he's getting a drink. Oh dear, now he's taking his shirt off. What's he? Oh my God, he's got it out. And he's... Should we stop the video? He's not. Oh Jesus, he is. Astonishing Charles. What's he doing? Leave the robot alone. Don't. Oh astonishing Charles, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that this is happening to you. Sally, I think I'm going to be sick. Next evening, I asked Bigley for a meeting in my local park. When he arrived, I removed my disguise and I revealed that rather than a hapless magic fan, I was Mike Prowse, the man he had defrauded all those years ago. Baz laughed and told me I was one of life's losers. He then embarked on a long anecdote and said that when I looked back along the beach of my life's journey and saw only one set of footprints, it was then that he had emerged from the sea and carried both me and Jesus. I told him that I had a video of him sexually abusing a robot. Bigley's face collapsed. There were tears, excuses, an attempt at gaslighting and some victim blaming. But mustering up all my dignity... I did the dance and flicked the V's right in his face. Right on cue, Tina and Sally released Pengo, Mason, Lenny, Scott, Samara, Missy and Lord Halifax while revving their quad bikes and encircling him, tearing up the grass and surrounding him with diesel smoke. They also flicked the V's. It was a simple offer. He could have the only copy of the video in exchange for the return of my £35,000 redundancy pay, while Tina and Sally received all equity and shares relating to the luxury development Bigley Heights. A broken man, he made the transfer. And I can now afford a new video camera. As the engines roared, Bigley curled into a ball, and I noticed... Tina had affixed Astonishing Charles to the back of her quad bike. He will now return with them to the safe space of Devon, and as the quiet moon shone down on the scene, I like to think I saw Charles smile. <laughs>